is never the underdog. Yes, sir. It's never the underdog. What's up, Duke fans? Welcome to the Devil's Den podcast. I'm your host, Josh Smith, joined by my co-host, Raul and Shu. Um, got some big news from Duke re- recently, so we figured we'd kind of come back in in the offseason and uh, kind of talk about that a little bit. So obviously the biggest bit of news is Jeremy Roach announced that he's returning to Duke for his senior season. Um, he still does have one year left of COVID eligibility if he opts to use it. Uh, but that's pretty much been the biggest news cycle so far. I think it was kind of expected that he was leaning this way, um, kind of took it down to the final hour a little bit. Uh, so we'll talk about what that, the implications of that on the current roster. Um, also Ernest Uday, I guess that's how he pronounces that is visiting Duke. Uh, he entered the portal after playing one year at Kansas. He's a six eleven big man, former number 32 recruit. I'm not sure. Is he a former McDonald's all American? I feel like yes. I heard that. Yep. yep. Okay. Um, so he's on campus right now. So looks like even with Roach back, the plan from the staff is still to maybe kind of add that defensive specialist at the center. Uh, maybe a little protection for flip. So again, we'll talk some about that as well. And then we'll kind of wrap this up by doing a little bit of NBA talk. So we're recording this right after the draft lottery had been announced. So um, a lot of Vic talk going around. So we'll jump into that a bit as well. But uh, well, guys, let's start with Roach here. Um, just announced he's coming back, I believe, yesterday. So he comes back to a team. Duke's returning four starters. And I was listening to the CBS pod with uh, GP and Norlander. And it sounds like that the that's the first time this has happened since 29-2010 or 2009-10 uh, when Duke obviously won the national championship. So maybe that that spells out some good news for us. Um, but either way, Roach averages 13.6 points per game, three assists, 43-34-78 splits. Not, not tremendous there. Um, but again, like Raul pointed out in the notes, I appreciate that. Obviously, from February, he was fantastic. Um, we talked about what he's done in the tournament. We talked about what he's done in big moments over his career at Duke. He really seems comfortable with the ball in his hands late in the game. Um, but obviously, we have a pretty deep backcourt. So I'm going to toss this out to you, Shu. With Roach coming back, I think that puts us at like six or seven kind of guards back there. What impact do you think it has in that regard? Well, I mean, unfortunately, I think somebody's going to get kind of moved out that, you know, maybe I was expecting to play a little bit more this year. Um, you know, Jalen Blakes in the middle of this season uh, had a couple games where he was playing, you know, I think he scored 17 in back-to-back games. Yeah. So he was getting plenty of minutes. Um, so, and then Jaden Shute, who, you know, Duke fans were kind of clamoring to see all year, kind of got just, you know, really just some spot minutes. We weren't really able to put teams away enough early on to get him a lot more, you know, playing time. Um, so I think one of those two guys, or maybe even both, are going to kind of see uh, not much change from from how the way this season ended last year with them. And then you bring in McCain and Foster, who, by all accounts, I would imagine both maybe not expect to start, but I would think both expect to play. You know, yeah. at least to compete to get into that kind of top six, top seven. Um, which puts us pretty deep, especially when you think about maybe adding the big guy, but I don't want to get too far ahead yet. Raul, for you, you hear Roach is coming back. Um, what do you kind of make of that situation from a leadership standpoint? And then obviously kind of just what it does to the roster. I mean, like you mentioned, 
from February on, he averaged 16 points a game on 48-36 shooting splits. So you hope you get that version of Roach. Mm-hmm. If you do get that version of Roach, it's a highly valuable addition to the roster. And I think you take it and you figure out fit later, right? Yeah. Um, it's just kind of awkward because of what you mentioned about Foster and McCain and their expectations. And I do think both of them are going to be really good. They have a proven track record as shooters in high school. Now, we know that doesn't always translate right away, but I would at least expect them to be better than uh, Blake's or Shoot just kind of based on recruiting ranking and based on what I've seen. But even if they are, that's still kind of, you've got Proctor there as well. So they could, in theory, both come off the bench. Mm-hmm. You know, we haven't gotten into the talk about the big man yet, but uh, if we are going to play two bigs, then that brings them both off the bench. And how many minutes are they each realistically going to get at that point? So right. you just hope you can kind of keep them satisfied because they could be long-term pieces. Yeah. Yeah, um, especially with, like you said, they project to maybe be sophomores, juniors on the roster. Um, so you want to get those guys some experience, let them feel like they're involved. And I think they still are, are going to be part of the rotation. You just, the hope is that they're a big enough part for them to feel kind of invested in what's going on. Um, in terms of Roach coming back for this year, his development, not so much from a number standpoint, what do you guys think is going to happen in terms of leadership? So for me, one thing that I'm, I'm looking at is what we even saw just last year. He gets hurt and he really adjusts to that Proctor coming onto the ball. Like, I don't know what was what it looked like behind closed doors, but publicly it looked like he completely accepted that, was fully bought into what was going on, really even upped his defensive kind of presence there as well. Do you expect that kind of leap from that in terms of leadership? And if so, what is that even going to look like? We keep hearing the Quinn Cook, and I need to stop doing that myself as well. If Not every senior guard is going to be Quinn Cook, right? Quinn was special in terms of just how he related to people and the personality that he had. Um, and his shooting was just kind of just, he was just a better shooter than Roach. It's just kind of the way it is. Um, but from a leadership standpoint, what do you guys kind of expect to see from Roach with this roster? Well, Josh, I think at media day last year, I was talking to Jeremy about, you know, being a, being a leader, being vocal. And I believe if my remember, if my memory is correct, that he was kind of saying that he's never been that like a vocal leader on a team. Um, so this year was, you know, was kind of his first year doing that. So I think maybe with a year under his belt, um, you know, and kind of finding his voice that he will be able to take that leap and look, he had to, he had to lead. 11 new guys last year, right? And this year is going to be a little bit more seamless uh, transition because we have so many guys coming back and already been in the program. So I, th- I think we'll be able to see that from him. Yeah. Do you think he gets the the sole captain role? you think he's going to be the only guy or you think they'll do like the two or, or, or would somebody else also join him for maybe that, for that freshman class that are now sophomores? Or do you think Roach is just going to be the guy? I think it might be, I think it might be three of them. Um, mm. And maybe Proctor. Yeah. And then, of course, you're giving Mitchell the snub, but yeah, I don't know. I, I could I could just my thought was Proctor, Flip and Roach. You know, I, I know that people don't always love that three captain thing, but if they are all starting, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's more when you have your captains, it's like bench players that it doesn't work quite as well. And, and I wouldn't know if I would call it a snub on Mitchell. Mitchell seems like a kind of quiet. I mean, they call him easy, yeah. right? Just laid back, easy going, silent assassin. Yeah. You know, he's not. No, and I think Mitchell's probably going to lead the team in minutes personally, just because he's the most versatile player on the roster sure. I mean, in terms of where he can slot in, who he can defend, what he can do. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I think 
I, I think I'd almost just lean to just Roach being it by himself again. I, I, I don't, I'd be okay if it was like Roach and let's say like a Ryan Young. It's just yeah. kind of like he's kind of the, you know, the secondary, the Grandison type, um, good for camaraderie, going to show up every day, going to, you know, bring his lunch bucket and go to work. And apparently they really uh, respect Young yeah, too exactly. in the locker room. That's yeah. what we've heard. So yeah. that could be a good choice for sure. I was just thinking Proctor and Flip because they both seem pretty vocal in a way that maybe Roach is not. Yeah. You know, comparing Roach to Quinn Cook, one big difference is that uh, Quinn was like a theater major and he's an extrovert. You know, clearly Roach is not an extrovert. Yeah, that's fair. Um, And and Quinn just, yeah, you're right. He just was instantly just kind of just had that kind of factor. Um, Now, obviously, there's a ton of different ways you can lead, but I I think it is cool to see Roach coming back as that senior. Um, You kind of get flashes of the Quinn Cooks, of the Grayson Allens, of those kind of guys that have just came through. Um, and Roach really has a, a chance here to kind of put himself in that conversation to put a stamp on there. He's got a final four. Um, if he gets another one, obviously, if he gets a banner, where does that put him in terms of kind of your all time Duke favorite players or just kind of all time most memorable guys? I mean, does he crack that list? Top 10, top five for you? Oh, it seems weird to kind of talk about it now. Um but if that was to happen, let's say he makes a second Final Four, we won't go national title, but that puts him in kind of rarefied air. I'm not, I mean, have y'all thought about that at all? Uh, honestly, no, I haven't thought about that. I think I'll, I guess one of the things that would sap the COVID year, you know, the COVID yep. year is still a. That one's a, a, a black mark out. Yeah. That's, that's re- really his first yeah. two years were kind of a struggle. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like when you compare him to some of the all time greats, they were a little faster out of the gate. Yeah, you know, you know, I, I know Grayson's also, whole thing started yeah. from the title run, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As, a, as freshman. a freshman, yeah, yeah. But Quinn was kind of like that too, right? He That's was true. like not much as a freshman, awesome as, as a sophomore, sophomore, regressed as a junior, and then awesome That's as true. a senior. Um, I don't know if he regressed as a junior. I think they just took well, the ball his role out did, yeah. right? Like his yeah. role, like changed. hey, we got Jabari um, and Rodney, just give them the ball, and you know, yeah. the, the point guard can stay in the corner. Yeah, so you know. Roach has a chance to kind of put himself in that kind of class of guys, you know, which would sure. be really cool to see, especially in this day and age. Um, one thing we haven't touched on before we kind of pivot here to talk about um, the transfer guy, you know, not losing any guys to the portal is pretty awesome for, yeah. for John in his first year and just what that says about everything. Um, Especially with how many guys we had coming in, you know. Yeah. Obviously, you lose in Bacos and maybe you right. could say that's, you know, part of that, but um still i think it's really impressive and to still even be able to maybe add another big guy i mean you know whatever he's putting in the water over there guys are lapping it up so so far it seems we've to talked about be the, the vibes the vibes around the program right now are just like yeah. super upbeat you know it's i guess everybody's just having a good time man i would too yeah yeah so you know excited for for roach excited to see what that what that's going to look like um, obviously having a senior that has that much experience you know you you can't turn that away you know so you take it you see what happens and hopefully we can avoid some injuries it's nice to have the depth though in case that I mean, we got two guys banged up already so you know things are already um very much um in, in peak form how many McDonald's All Americans do we get as seniors? I mean, it's not been a lot of them. Not my like not a Grayson lot at all. Emil, Quinn. Yeah, Matt wasn't was Matt was Matt, Matt Jones was he was yeah, McDonald's. Matt Jones was. Yeah. Think okay. um, Marshall Plumley. Plumley. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but we're still going back to well, like two of them. 
Yeah. We're still going all the way back to 2018, 2017, all that. So, yeah. you know, that's what been five seasons at this point. Yeah. yeah it's been a while. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. I think a lot of Duke fans are pretty optimistic about that. So, you know, some uh, there's reason to be optimistic as well. So, um, I think Roach, for, just as a side, I think it's just great insurance to have, if anything. I mean, there's, you know, recruiting rankings are one thing. They're not, you know, a, a, always, a, you know, a perfect science. So there's a scenario where McCain and Foster don't do what we think that they're capable of doing. Sure. And so it's nice sure. to have somebody that we've seen do it. Sure. Um, now, that being said, I do think McCain and Foster will be as advertised. But yeah, but you never know, right? Like, yeah, what if exactly. Proctor doesn't take the leap that we kind of were expecting sure. him to take? And then you're like, oh, man, thank God we had Jeremy there. So many times I've said stuff like that. This guy's a luxury. This guy's a luxury. And they turn out to be like one of our like most important players. Um, so, and there's know. a scenario where he finally figures out his three point shot. Yeah. And suddenly he's just one of the best guards in the country. Yep. Like, if you told me it, at the end of the year, he'd averaged 18 points per game on like 47, 40, whatever. I wouldn't be totally shocked. Yeah. That's the big thing too. If he gets that three up to around that 40% mark, then you are talking to Quinn Cook range. You know, I think Quinn might've been 42 or so, 43 as a senior. So he was really good um, on pretty good volume too. So, you know, we'll see what happens. It's time to get to work. And hopefully those guys I do love that Roach's kind of announcement. He has the blank banner up there. Yeah. So it's like, okay, the mentality's locked in. It's where he needs to be. It's what you want to see. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see where that goes. But uh, I guess we can pivot here and talk a little bit about Ernest Comes to Duke, uh, the <laughs> next installment of the movies there, right? So uh, just oh, a great name. Back, to, man. Yeah, yeah, just a great kind of all-around comparison there. So if you're not super familiar, um, we did play against him when we played Kansas earlier this or last season. Uh, I didn't play a whole lot as a freshman. Again, he is a former McDonald's All-American, more of a defensive kind of um minded player you know he's got a decent block percentage it seems like he can defend in the pick and roll um got the pedigree you know all of those things however there are some pretty significant kind of concerns or question marks around the shooting and what that's going to look like i mean 41 percent from the line he's averaging about eight fouls per 40 minutes that's not great the roster's a little crowded anyway i guess if you want to spin it I've seen a lot where people are trying to pencil him in as the starting five. I'm not so sure that it would be that sort of role. I think he could potentially be that if we're just dead set on it. Um, to me, though, it looks more like, hey, we could bring this guy in. He could compete to start beside Flip. If not, he could come off the bench, be a 15, 18 minutes per game guy. There's a big hole at the five the following season. So maybe that's more of the play there. Um, you know, what what do you guys think in terms of that fit? Are you kind of looking at this as like, yeah, he's gonna be a starter? Are you looking more kind of like, well, maybe he plays the, you know, somewhere around the 20 minute per game mark? What are we looking at here? Well, as far as like his freshman stats go, um, we've seen it for multiple years. Like a, a big man ranked in that range. Their freshman year is not always, you know, peaches and cream, really. It's kind of a tough thing for a lot of big guys. So um, I could see him taking a big sophomore leap, but, and, and you know, but that being said, I'm not sure if he's going to be, like you said, starting, starting five right out of the gate could be, I mean, in the game against us, like you pointed out, he played 13 minutes. He did have four blocks. I mean, that was his third, fourth game of the season. Right. So he's, sure. he's capable of doing some of this stuff. So, 
Um, the shooting, yeah, I am, you know, in the game situations where you need yep. defense, but you know, you almost it's uh it's almost a wash because they just foul him and forty percent. Hey, he might not make it to the end of the game with that foul rate. Just foul well, out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, eighteen minutes. Right. You would hope, but yeah, I guess another way of looking at it too, and Raul, I'll send this one to you. What does you need? What would you need to see from you know Uday to make it worth it in terms of what you might lose in terms of the sacrifice that Stewart, Power, some of those guys might have? Like, what do you need to see from Uday to say, okay, I'm worth this? Seems worth the gamble to me, or I'd rather just kind of give those minutes to those other guys. I know you probably want to do that anyway, but what would he have to do to maybe shift that opinion a little bit? I mean, he'd have to be Derek Lively, honestly. <laughs> and that's a really high bar. You know, we've said he's one of our best freshman defenders ever, if not the best. Mm-hmm. So barring that, I mean, it's not that like a guy who's 70% of Derek Lively couldn't be valuable. It's more that I want to see Flip at the five. I want to see Mitchell at the four. And I especially want to see that now more so than ever that Roach is coming back because I want to see some three guard lineups just to make sure all those guys get minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I would hope that we would still see that um, over the course of the year. I think for me, and I've seen it on Twitter and on the boards, the argument keeps coming back to like, well, I don't want to play flip at the five or they don't want flip exclusively at the five. And to me, the argument's never really been about flip. If you want to make the argument flip playing the four or the five, like I can get behind either one. To me, it's always been about what it does to Mitchell. Yeah. And just needing Mitchell at that four is what I need, you know, like putting him up at the three and then sliding everyone else up. Um, that's the question for me of like, well, how do you maximize everyone here? Uh, but again, a guy like Uday, even if he if he was going to play 30 minutes, the foul rate says that he can't play 30. So I guess there's going to be space there. Um, but it gets pretty crowded. I mean, we're talking, you know, 98 Duke is probably the deepest Duke team in my lifetime, I think, off the top of my head. That's the one that I always go to. I think we had like... 10 guys playing. We had like eight playing over like 10 minutes 10 a minutes. game or 10 minutes over. Like we had so many guys playing. Um, I don't think anyone averaged 30 minutes per game. Now that team was really good. Now everyone thinks about 99, but 98, I think we we're like 35 and three or two or 15 and one in the ACC. Ran into a tough Kentucky team. Man. Yeah. And, and should have won the game. I mean, yeah. we're up 17. 17 <laughs> in the second half. Yeah. yeah. Ken Palm adjusted efficiency over 30 for that team. So not the 43 or whatever the ridiculous number was for the 99 team, but over 30, you know, for reference for people who don't follow Ken Palm is like, that's championship level. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess another kind of deeper Duke team would be the 2011 when before Kyrie got hurt, that team was pretty deep. Um, but again, you know, it's just, we're deep at a lot of positions here. You know, some of those teams like 2011 is really like backcourt heavy, you know, and then some of the other ones, but you know, we'll see what happens. Um, I personally would like to see a lot of those three guard lineups. I don't see how you're going to avoid it really with just how many playable guards you have on the roster. So, well, to be fair, um, Brendan Marks did write about that, how the plan was to at least try that some. And I think Adam Rowe has talked about it as well. So there are some indications from people, you know, who should know, you know, they talk to people in the program. Um, there are some indications that that's at least on the table. Yeah. That, like Shire isn't dead set against it or anything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's going to play his best guys. Um, 
And, you know, to me, not losing a Jaden shoot, not losing a Jalen Blake's not losing Reed, none of those guys means that something's happening in terms of the communication and guys are just bought in. Um, so we'll see, you know, to me, what it really says is that John's just going for it. He recognizes he has a roster that says, you know, Hey, we could compete for this thing. Let's make sure there's no holes. Let's make sure there's no gaps. Let's make sure if somebody goes down for a month, I have a guy that I can put in that we trust that can get the job done. Um, so, you know, maybe there's something to be said for that as well. So we'll see what happens, but, uh, I guess we can pivot here unless y'all have anything else on the the portal stuff. I mean, I would imagine that stuff could get wrapped up pretty soon from what I've been hearing. So, yeah. I mean, it seems it might like already be wrapped up by the time people are listening sure. to this. So. Sure. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, so. John, John doesn't miss when he swings, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, it seems like when we put that on there, this is, you know, we're going to be able to, to pull something out of the hat again. So, uh, you know, the guy's got a ton of eligibility left. Like, like I said, the following year, the expectations are probably flipped. Mark Mitchell are both gone. You know, maybe if you want to make the case that Mark Mitchell maybe sticks around another year, I, I don't think Flip will just based on everything else. So there would appear to be a lot of open kind of front court minutes, you know, the following year. We'll see. Um, but, uh, you know, either way, we got we got all offseason to continue to talk about that stuff. Let's talk a little bit about the NBA. Um, so recently we just had Dan Valley from the Hardwood Knox on. We were talking about Tatum a lot, the Celtics a lot. Um, and I guess we should probably start back with that. So after kind of having a, a kind of a rough series or a pretty kind of brutal start to the series, um, you know, he probably put together one of the best five quarter stretches we've like ever seen um, yep. in terms of like that 16 point fourth quarter. What's more impressive to that is he was just not good the whole game, just <laughs> not good. And then just comes in and hits like back to back threes and you just see like something in him that's like okay this this dude's different uh and then the game seven is just historic i mean it's historic you know and boston's a pretty kind of legendary franchise and this guy's doing stuff that they just haven't seen before um is it time to ask because he's the best pro out of duke is it time to have that conversation if not what what do you need to see do you need hardware to have that conversation i mean we don't have a whole lot of guys with it so does that even matter at this point i mean Elton Brand received votes for MVP one season. I think that's like the closest we've had somebody like actually, you know, Kyrie obviously hit the game winner for Cleveland and, and has titles and, you know, a little bit of status, but as far as individually, like, I mean, Tatum's got to be that guy right now. I think Grant Hill finished in the top three or four of MVP one season, sure. but yeah, I mean, when you look at, Tatum's likely longevity. I mean, even right now, he's honestly had how many good years, great years, I should say, did Grant Hill have? Like seven? seven. Like yeah. Those first seven were just yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Until and Tatum's basically been good for like six years so far. So, you yeah. know, he's going to overtake him pretty quickly if he hasn't already. Yeah. Yeah. I think Grant's held that torch my entire life pretty much as the best player to ever come out of Duke. Um, I'm, it, it becomes harder because Grant's always going to have that because he did it in four years. He won two titles. I mean, he took that 94 squad just on his back all the way. Um, so it, it's going to be difficult, but what Tatum's doing is just special right now. I mean, you carry a team as you're the best player on a title on a team that makes the finals. You come back, you know, you just beat the MVP. Obviously, Doc, Harden, and Beat are kind of notorious for 
are kind of letting down in the moment, but still, I think it's impressive, you know, for him to be that guy. Um, shout out to Josh Evans, who was questioning whether or not Jalen Brown is him. And Tatum was like, nah, bro, it's still me. It's It's still me. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was going right at the MVP over and over, you know, Embiid's supposedly a great defensive player, but he had nothing for him. And he was hitting so many of those, like, he's on the kind of like left wing corner over there. And Embiid's kind of like not trying to come out and guard him and Tatum's just like, all right, bro, just spotting up just J and threes in his face. Um, See, to me, that's the next step for him is to kind of diversify his game even a little bit more, because I think the reason he's inconsistent is he often relies on those like sidestep jumpers and stuff. And those are going to come and go. And this year he did up his scoring by getting the free throw line more. But I think if he got even better at finishing, even better at attacking and drawing more free throws, that's just going to give him the like the stability. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, the, the only other Duke player left is, is we got Jack White <laughs> over there in Denver. Um, I'm personally hoping for a crash course of seeing Denver and Boston in the finals. I know yep. everyone wants the Laker Boston thing. Um, to me, it's Denver Boston is just a dream. You know, I can kind of be cool with either way that goes. Obviously, I'm, I'm rooting for Tatum and want to see him be that guy. Um, but do y'all think this is the year that he does that? I mean, is this is Tatum looking at a finals MVP run? I know he's got to get past Miami, but I mean, it's wide open for him. It's looking that way. I mean, I thought they were dead after game after the game five loss to Philly, though. I'm not going to lie. I'm that was not, brutal. Yeah, yeah, that was brutal. Yeah, but so, never count yourself out when you're playing Philly and, you know, Doc. Doc. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and Doc, you know, it's not all on Doc, but sure. yeah. But it, he's been <laughs> at the helm for plenty of those, I think the most ever game seven losses, right? Yeah. But, I mean, but the, the thing about this one, this wasn't even just a loss, bro. They got smashed. Yeah, but you got the MVP going like four of 16, hardened zero points. And then calling out quarter. Teammates, so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Soft. Soft. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it can't be a coincidence that uh, Doc Rivers has coached all these Hall of Fame players and has like made it to the finals, what, once, twice with Boston. Um, yeah. And he has a one ring and then he has all these like uh, three one chokes, all these three two chokes. You know, he's had the players. Yeah. Yeah. He's had a p- tons of players, Hall of Famers. Think about know, how loaded the Clippers were. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say, some of those Clippers yeah. teams. I did see JJ's nice little clap back, too. So <laughs> yeah, uh, I funny. guess not all is well in Clipperland. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, you know, that could be interesting to see kind of what, what that, where that goes. Um, obviously, if Tatum goes and gets a finals MVP, that definitely does something to his legacy that I don't think we've seen a Duke guy have. Um, and, you know, this guy just turned 25, I think, which is. You know, he's going to be the face of the league probably for a long time, you know, so that's did, that's pretty did exciting. Grant, did Grant or Brand or Kyrie or anybody else have a Duke tattoo on them? Like, I've visibly seen Tatum's, like, Duke jersey tattooed on yeah, his leg plenty of I, times. I don't know, but I do know that's – I'm glad you mentioned that because Tatum reps the brotherhood so hard. And so that hard, makes it just, yeah. like, really easy to just – pull for the guy, you know. Um, he talks and about Duke fair, a lot. I don't, I don't think Grant has any tattoos. Probably not. Yeah, you know, <laughs> probably not. Yeah, but, I wonder uh, if, if JJ had one maybe or something because he has a lot of tattoos. That's true. That's true. No, JJ gets a nice one like Bud Light tattoo or <laughs> <Yeah>. something. <laughs> Bojangles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but uh, well, you know, in addition to that, there's also the the draft lottery just happened. Um, I think a lot of us, well, you know, uh, probably a lot of Duke fans, I would imagine, living in the Carolinas, you, maybe you're Hornets fans or you're a Closet Hornets fan if you don't really want to admit that. 
Um, again, it seems like just flashbacks of 2012, just sitting there, like hoping to get the the lucky egg and Anthony Davis, if, you know, this, this year's version would be, you know, Victor Wimignana. Instead, they get two. If you remember back to 2012, they took Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Yes, that mm. Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Um, well, hopefully this pick know. doesn't go that badly. Yeah, we'll see. You know, I, I mean, think even though time before that, still we, sailing through somewhere. Yeah, we took uh, Okafor, and the first yeah. pick got Dwight Howard. So yeah. mm. was that or Alonzo Mourning with 2005? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was five. Four or five. Yeah. Four or five. Yeah. 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 It would have um, been a four, right? Because you kind of right, yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. yeah but they just the, won it. Right. So, you know, just, just terrible luck again. You know, I was really salivating over the idea of a Mark Williams, Wimbignana front court with Lamella Ball that just would have been possible to score on. Yeah. A lot of excitement there. Instead, you're in this two slot where it's, you know, do you go to the range with Brendan Miller? Do you take Scoot? Who do you trust? <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I don't know. You got a decision to make. Brandon there, and but... Book Knight on the same teams, like mm. arenas and the whole crew from back in the day. Just, yeah. yeah. And you already had Miles Bridges. We were talking about that off, uh, off air, but, uh, yeah, I think they might want to avoid that just for their own history. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I could see them going with Scoot Henderson, but that's a little bit awkward with LaMelo. Yeah. Um, I guess if you're, you know, we'll want to spin the bottle a little bit and say the Spurs get him and maybe what that can do for a guy like Trey Jones. Um, you know, he gets to play with him. That's a perfect kind of like pick and roll combo guy. The defense should be incredible over there in San Antonio. And personally, to me, I think it's just cool for Pop to kind of get that twilight chance to just coach another generation yeah another <laughs> admiral duncan yeah, he, might, what he might go he might go till he's 95 <laughs> why not yeah you know with AI, just, i mean <laughs> yeah yeah just uh invite Bayham down to and just say hey man we'll just we'll life support right. this thing yeah, i mean <laughs> today's advances in medical you know could live right, be exactly. 300 mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. um they have some talent there for sure um you know, with Devin Vassell had a really good year. Um, Keldon Johnson, they've got some guys. So I think I could see Wembenyama bringing it all together and then making like a crazy leap in number of games won. Yeah. And then once you have a guy like that too, I'm sure it puts them in a position to, okay, maybe we go out and make more moves. Maybe yep. we open up the purse a little bit, right? You start to kind of get into things. They have um, picks too. Yeah. So... Because when you get a guy like Vic, it's not like a typical kind of like rookie, right? Like your timeline gets kind of bumped up yep. when you get a generational guy. I mean, the dude's seven five and can play anywhere on the floor. You just you don't see that very much. But uh, let's let's talk briefly here about the Duke guys. So obviously we only have two this year: Derek and and Derek Lively. Um, where there's their projections are all over the place depending on what you look. I've seen all you know almost second round. I've seen both going kind of late lotto here. Um, based on now the order set, we don't want to go through and kind of just nitpick every single one here, but just I'll throw it off to you as a general question. Which one do you think gets taken off the board first? And is there a landing spot for either one that you're really hoping to see? Raul, I'll go to you first. Yeah, my inclination would be that Whitehead would be picked first simply because of the way the league values shooting and values mm-hmm. its wing players. You know, and he shot what forty three percent from three. Yeah. Um, so at least that's kind of a bankable skill. And he didn't show his athleticism at Duke, but he is athletic, and I think he could be a good defender in time. So yeah, I see him kind of going like right outside the lotto. 
the mock draft I'm looking at here, you know, again, this is all made up, but yeah, he's they have him going 17 to the Lakers, and I would love that for him. It's yeah. not often that you go 17 and get to join an actual contender. Right. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then he can hang around and get shipped off for a year. I was going to say for, for Brody, right? <laughs> yeah, Brody takes, <laughs> Brody takes his foot. Yeah. yeah you got to yeah, move down a, great, a locker there, bro. Yeah. That'd be a great landing spot for Dorit, though. What about you, Shu? Do you have, do you think you still kind of tracking with that? You think Dorit gets off the board first here? Yeah. I think what Roll just said and kind of what we said all fair, you know, uh, just kind of like AJ did, you know, AJ had his injury problems, but we saw this year, you know, for the Hawks there, there for a stretch. I mean, he was incredible for them. Yep. Um, so I could see Dorit kind of, you know, just kind of getting his legs back under him and getting fully healthy and, and kind of blossom. And just like we'd seen him do for four years through high school. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, I think Dorit's going to, he slotted at 17. I would love to see what would happen at 14 and just send him on down to New Orleans and just let yeah. that just continue to be the pipeline. I think he fits great with what they do and what they need. Um, widely, I think, is the wild card here because you've got Golden State at 19, potential fit there. Brooklyn with Claxton, probably not a great fit. Portland, I guess you can, they have just, they need everything imaginable there. So it's, that's, you know, Memphis at 25 could be interesting, you know, to see what they want to do with Steven Adams to see, you know, if you want to play two bigs with, with Jaron Jackson Jr. It's also like Jaron insurance a little bit, right? It's like, because their defense falls off a cliff every time Jaron gets injured. So yeah. you, if you have Lively there to come off the bench, then he can kind of start when Jaron inevitably misses 25 games like he always does. Yeah, yeah. And then I think even, you know, we made the argument for Derek in L.A. You know, I could see an argument for Derek Lively in L.A. too. Mm-hmm. I mean, AD's historically kind of been, you know, wants to play the four, doesn't want to have to play all of his minutes at the five. Um, you know, what a perfect fit beside AD if you just want a defensive anchor down there. So, you know, I could, I think Derek has the most fluctuation where, you know, he could go at the tail end of that lottery or he could kind of slip all the way down probably to the end of the first round just based on what teams might would need. Um, you know, maybe Indiana, I just don't see that really as a great fit. You know, Charlotte's probably not going to be the great fit either. Um, Utah has all those big guys, so it's kind of, you know, what happens, but, uh, the, um, ki- the Kings could be interesting. They need Kings some rim protection. Interesting. Yeah. I do like that fit. Kings could be great. And they pick at 24. So that seems to kind of track about where he would be. Um, but you know, I don't, again, we're not going to spend a ton of time because there's going to be so many probably trades and teams are going to move around and shift around. Um, you know, teams like Charlotte, teams like Boston have a lot of picks. Orlando has a ton of picks. We know they love their big guys, right? They probably can't wait to, to <laughs> yeah. get Dayron Holmes and Derek Lively in the mix to, <laughs> you know, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Obviously, we'll, we're hoping to get some, somebody on to talk about the draft here. I think when is the draft? It's like mid June or somewhere yeah, in yeah, end yeah. of June 24, 20, yeah. somewhere in that range. Um, so we'll kind of revisit that a little bit, but figured it was at least worth, worth hitting on here. Um, I guess lastly, before we kind of get out of here, uh, and other kind of relevant news I saw today where coach K and Johnny Dawkins were inducted into the college basketball hall of fame, which is weird to me. Like was K not already in the hall of fame? Like, didn't he do his induction speak in like 2001? Was that a different hall of fame? Uh, he's Anyone in the Naismith hall of fame, right? Like okay, the one that's so- in. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because Springfield. Right. Yeah. yeah. So this is a different kind this of. This is the college, just strictly college, right? 
Okay. Okay. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, the Naismith one covers the NBA and college, which a lot right. of people forget when they're debating it. But uh, yeah, I, I was wondering if like maybe you can't get inducted until after you've been like retired a year or something, because the weird thing is Roy Williams got inducted last year. So okay. I was wondering if th there was a, a year, year gap. after. Yeah. 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 Okay. Because I can't explain sense. it otherwise. Like clearly Coach K would have been inducted first. Yeah, we should have reclassed up, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's cool to have. I think there was, what, five or six names? I don't know who all made the cut for however, how big of a class it is that they induct. But yeah, it's five guys. And I honestly haven't heard of two of them. Um, you mentioned Hansborough, right? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so we do have, yeah. yeah. We do have so that's, that's kind of funny. Um, yeah. Shout out to John Watson's nice little Twitter <laughs> jab there. Oh, yeah. What, what do you say? Uh, about Tyler Hansberry, oh, he, his game it traveled. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> I do like that. I wonder why it took so long for Hansberry to get in. Um, you know, 2009 is like what 14 yeah. years ago. He's if we're just talking college basketball Hall of Fame, he's a no doubter. Yeah, well, no I mean, yeah. look at how long it took Dawkins to get in. What is this? That's at? true. 86. Years? So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> almost. Yeah. I think somebody yeah. just forgot to turn the paper in or something. Or maybe yeah, it's like, it's like <laughs> baseball where you have a ballot and like you can just stay on the ballot for a certain kind of number of cycles right. before you kind of get, you know, pushed out of it. Um, but either way, you know, it's really cool for those two guys to kind of, you know, represent Duke and obviously well-deserved. Uh, Coach K speaks for himself. Dawkins, obviously, for maybe the younger listeners, go back and kind of look at some of that Duke history and just what he's done historically, kind of building that first huge recruiting class around him going to the title game in 86 um should have won that one should have won that one but we won't we won't go back down that road but uh anything else y'all want to talk about in terms of any of the draft stuff any of the the roster type stuff i feel like we've kind of hit on it pretty well but anything out there in the ethos we haven't touched on i mean uh, you just brought up the 86 you know uh it's in the news recently rip denny crumb mm, yeah. coach of that 86 louisville team uh two-time champion so uh, sad, sad news. Yeah. Yeah. Also shouts to Will Avery. Great. Got his Duke degree. So we're yeah, graduated that. too. That's big time. Um, really cool to see like him and Kay there together. Uh, you know, obviously reparations have happened, but it was pretty public for a little while that that kind of didn't go down as well or that yeah. smoothly in 99. So um, really cool to see that kind of come back around and, um, you know, get that Duke degree. Kay was ultimately vindicated on that one. Right. Mm. And I think, even Avery will said that. It, yeah. yeah, he said that. I think in either a, an, um, a podcast or an interview, or maybe it was like a, a written interview that I that I've read. But he talked about just kind of maybe not being quite ready for that. But he also talked about like, hey man, you know, I didn't come for money. Like I yep. had, I needed that to support my my grandmother, and my mother, um, and I think you know at that point, Kate was still pretty. Well, it was early on, but we didn't have that you know? stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's um, what's great great potentially at least about the nil is that then you don't have kids stuck in that decision where they're like i desperately need money now yeah i know i'm going to get drafted second round and probably be out of the league but i got to take it yeah yeah and, now they can make a hundred thousand dollars yeah. by being here and it brings a, a just a thing up for me from a fan's perspective there's a lot of times that some of these kids make a decision that us as fans who you know desperately want them to come back you know, there's people that'll get on them for, oh, you, this is dumb, blah, blah, blah. But 
like we're all just or you guys just pointed out we don't know the you know the whole story yep. a lot of times so a lot of these guys you know at least previously um you know the, their decisions was were based on more than just playing basketball right yeah totally sure. you remember that uh letter that elton brand wrote that open letter to that uh you know girl who was giving him a hard time for not coming back to duke yeah. uh, he just kind of eviscerated her yeah you know, what he was saying made sense he was like you wouldn't understand based on where you come from yeah yeah pretty much and i think brand made it has like one of the best quotes ever about that stuff too where he was like you know i came to duke to be able to get a degree so i could make a lot of money i left Duke because i had a chance to do that right like yeah. this is why i'm here to put myself in a position for financial security here it is you'd be a fool to yeah. to turn that down you know and I, i've said it all the time you know you offer me five million dollars i quit my job right now yeah, i'm not you sitting know, on like, a winning lotto ticket for very long I know nope that. nope yeah so you, you cash in while that's there and you just kind of live with it and figure it out um but yeah so you know shout outs to all those guys but uh you know also with it being the off season again we're not really recording every week, so we're we're kind of trying to figure some stuff out, hoping to get some some more guests lined up. We have had some really great guests recently. We had Dan Favalli from Hardwood Knox, we had Ron Loman from Duke Nation, had Zion O from uh what Duke in the NBA, I think is the yep. handle over yep. there. Um, talk to some other few guys. Like, I'd love to be able to get someone from the team. Again, that's a little tricky. So we'll, we'll see. Definitely have talked to a few guys about doing some draft type stuff, some recruiting type stuff um so hopefully that'll be on the horizon here um you know but uh you can follow us again um rate review subscribe email us at the devil's den pod at gmail.com you can find us on the boards at the devil's den.com on twitter devil's den pod 247 and uh you know what to do keep the faces strong and the verb high go do it.